This QuietCast podcast is brought to you by the book, Finding Jesus, a fundamentalist preacher discovers the socio-political and economic teachings of the Gospels. By me, Herb Montgomery. This is my story as a successful preacher who unexpectedly encountered the Gospel stories through the interpretive lenses of various marginalized communities. And what I found radically changed my life forever. Finding Jesus by Herb Montgomery is available now on Amazon. Hey, heathens. We come to you bearing a gospel like no other. Follow Bracelets has an offer just for our listeners. Follow Bracelets are the cutest, colorful animal bracelets that come with access to track your very own animal. You can pick from a few different animals and easily track their movement online. The best part is that every purchase directly benefits organizations that save wildlife. Go to myfollow.com and use the code DEADLYFAITH to get 20% off your next purchase. Hey, heathens. You're listening to the Deadly Faith Podcast, where religion and crime collide. I'm Lola. And I'm Lacey. And this shit is calamitous. The mind that was in Jesus, that mind is in me. Without me, life has no meaning. Why would God tell you what I'm thinking and tell you what I've said to my wife or my husband when you're not around? It's because I'm the pastor of the church and I need to know. This is the only place where you can see truth. Holy shit, that was a good word. I'm pulling out the like triple word score. Yeah. Ones, you know. That I that caught me by surprise. I, did, I just asked if she had her word. I didn't ask her what it was. No, I couldn't say it. I, I had to wow you. You did, And you did wow me. This is all I've got. I have no skills. No nunchuck skills. No <laughs> no hunting skills. <laughs> nunchuck. This is all I have. No nunchuck skills. Oh, I would kill myself trying to learn how to do nunchucks. I really would. I'd at least give myself a black eye. I, I Or a concussion. I'd probably give myself a concussion. Or for two. sure. Yeah. Well, today's case was requested by Meredith Cannon. Thank you for your message, yes, Meredith. Thank um, you. Thank you for bringing this case to our attention. Because I like kind of remembered it, mm. but not really. <laughs> so, and Lacey has no idea what this is about. I have no idea. I know the names and that's only because it was on our list. That's it. I have no idea what I'm walking into. I do know that there's Church of Christ that comes onto this because I read the message from Meredith and it said Church of Christ. And I said, Lola, you want to do this? Uh, one? <laughs> and she's like, yes, I do. <laughs> Immediately no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we're talking about Mary and Matthew Winkler. So mm. I'll start you off with Mary. Mary Freeman was her maiden name. Do we have any trigger warnings for this episode? This one, trigger warnings would be murder. <laughs> murder? As usual. And I guess like possibly emotional abuse. Okay. Slash emotional abuse. Okay. We only have one person's say so on it. Okay. All right. That's the only ones we got. I'm excited. I shouldn't be. I shouldn't say that. Mary Freeman Winkler, whoever. Uh, she was born December 10th, 1973 in Guys, Tennessee. I like that. Oh. It's literally spelled like, hey guys, guys. like guys. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's in my neck of the woods. <sighs> yeah. Uh, Mary's mother was a teacher. Her dad worked in real estate as a house flipper. Mm. And they also attended Laurel Church of Christ in Knoxville. Okay. Which was like, I don't know how it stands today, but it was like a, 200 family congregation. Oh. They had like campus ministry stuff at the University of Tennessee. It was a whole thing. That's a pretty decently sized congregation. Kind of like a mega church. Yeah, especially for those days. And for Church of Christ, it's not very often that you see a mega church. Yeah. Happen <laughs> from a Church of Christ. There's too many roles. No, there's so many. So many. Matthew Winkler was born November 21st, 1974, and he was raised across both Tennessee and Alabama. In your neck of the woods. Hey. <sighs> Here we go. Oh, yeah, I know. It's hitting home now. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I know what he's been through. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so religion was kind of the family business for Matthew Winkler's family. Okay. So his paternal grandfather was like a fire and brimstone like evangelical preacher. Yeah. And his dad was a Church of Christ minister. And his mom was a teacher as well as like Sunday school teacher kind of thing. Yeah. Okay, that tracks very normal and typical for that time. Well, even nowadays. And he had two brothers. 
Dan Jr. and Jacob. And the family just moved a lot um, because his dad, like, moved from church positions, like, kind of all around, you know? Oh, okay. Yeah. But there's not a hierarchy for Church of Christ. So there's not, like, an all-connected, like, United Methodist, they have, like, a government to their whole situation. Oh, yeah. Where, like, they all vote on the things that are going to be, like, preached about, like, curriculum-wise. Okay. There's, like, I don't know a whole lot about it. But Church of Christ doesn't have that. Yeah, it's they're given more free reign with, like, from congregation to congregation on, like... Yeah, you can, you can flit around a okay. little bit. Okay, okay. So, Matthew graduated from Austin High School in Decatur, Alabama, where his father was a preacher at Beltline Church of Christ. I have been to this Church of Christ several times. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. Yeah. Lots of, um, I don't know, devotional nights there. Whatever. Mm. Matthew was tall, handsome, fit. He was a sports star. And he was just like the all-American boy, you know? Okay. Yeah. He went to Freed Hardman University in the 1990s. I almost went there. Seriously? I kind of halfway, partially, like a quarter of the way, almost went to, wanted to go to. Oh. I visited that campus. Shoosh. So like the two main colleges, if you're in Alabama and you're a Church of Christ goer, you're either going to go to Faulkner University or Freed Hardman University. I am sorry. What? Faulkner? Say more. I love that name, though. <laughs> I just feel like it's very much like Meet the Falkers type name. Ah, why, yeah. why? What is it that with Christians naming their universities very weird names and they don't sound weird until you get out? It's all based off of someone's last name. Yeah, like Brigham Young. Yeah. Okay, Bring Them Young. <gasps> right? A comedian pointed that out and I was like, oh my God. Shut up. That's so crazy. What's with these weird names? Anyways, sorry. I hate that. Moving on. No, you're good. Well, yeah. So uh, in the 1990s is when he was going to university uh, to become a minister for the Church of Christ. Okay. You know, family business, yeah. all that stuff. Passing it down. Uh, so Matthew met Mary when she transferred to Freed Hardman. Okay. So she spent from 1992 to 1993 at Nashville's David Lipscomb University and then transferred. I don't know why. Doesn't matter. But their names... They, they became friends. Okay. But also, I was like, their names are very biblical. It's just like Matthew Mary and, and Matthew. Mary. It just makes me think very... Matthew and Mary. Mary and Matthew. Yeah, it's... Biblical. It's almost too perfect, isn't it? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, they became friends, and then stories old as time, they fell in love. And they were married three months later. Am I right? I hate you. <laughs> Shut your goddamn face. Was I right? They Hold on. Okay, so they dated for three months before Matthew popped the question. <laughs> I did not know that. I was just saying that because... It, I literally <laughs> thought you had read up on this and I was about to be so pissed off. <laughs> I just threw three months out there because that's... No, that's... For Church of Christ standards, that's like six years. Decent amount of... If, if it's six months, that's like, oh, wow. I promise you, I just threw that out there because Christian relationships go very fast all the time. Yeah. I don't know how, like how long after that it took them to marry. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it was pretty quick, though. Oh, I'm sure. They wanted to do it. But Mary did not graduate. Oh. Yeah, but she really wanted to be a school teacher. Oh. Why did she not graduate? Never really elaborated on it. She just said she didn't finish. So I'm assuming he was like kind of further on in his program at school. And so he was able to graduate and then they got married. And with her transferring, maybe she had to like redo credits and stuff. She just like wasn't going to graduate the same time as him. Did they have kids? Did they end up having kids? Yeah. Yeah. So I was going to say if they like, maybe she fell into that like mother Role? I don't know. I think she would have had time. Okay. Based on more that we find out. Okay, keep going. I'm just, I'm making assumptions because I'm going to be honest with you guys. She's only had like one interview. Okay. That I was able to find. Okay. So it was on Oprah. You can watch it. Oh, Oprah of all places. I was thinking. It's like a whole like huge segment thing. Wow. Whole episode. The full disclosure. Wow. 
It's on YouTube for free. I would have thought like Dr. Phil or... Truly though. Jerry Springer, <laughs> depending on the time. Do, do, you, do you remember Jerry Springer? I do. Yeah. I do. Get the chair. Sorry, I'm showing my age. And Mari and... Mari! <gasps> oh uh, my gosh. David w- Wilkos? Mm, I don't know that I one. Know. All those people that have those types of shows. I was a li- It's David. You are the father. <laughs> we shouldn't go down this hole. We shouldn't. We shouldn't. <laughs> uh, I have watched too many. Mm-hmm. Too many. It was like the precursor of reality TV on TLC. Yeah. It really was. So they got married and they settled in Nashville. And Matthew completed his degree and started working as a youth minister at the Bellevue Church of Christ. Okay, this is just a side note. Like, why is it that like when people are like freshly out of seminary or graduating with some kind of like ministerial type degree, the first place that they put them is with the children. Even though the Bible says that like the most important is to like be like a child and like the children are the most important part, but like let's throw the newly fresh out of college uh, you know, least experienced. <laughs> Let me attest to that. Let me attest to that. <laughs> Just based on Church of Christ standards, this is what I know. You have a lot of pressure when it comes to speaking with the adults of the congregation and leading them because a lot of the older people are like deacons and elders that have already like or former pastors too mm-hmm. that had they they know a lot more about scripture than you would ever know. Yeah, even though you're fresh out of seminary, you're like well versed on scripture. They would rather put them with the youth ministry part so that it's less pressure. It's like easing your way into ministry because they don't quite trust you all the way too with like your messages. They need to. There's so many rules. They have to like review your stuff that you're gonna preach on. They, you have to fit the mold. Yeah. And I can understand that the younger people are going to gravitate towards, open up and follow and like be guide, more easily guided by somebody who's younger. So I get that, you know, it can be more beneficial to have a younger person. It's just really... I don't know, ironic to me, I guess, that they're just like, we're going to throw the newly educated, least experienced people at the children and see how it goes. I totally understand where that's like, "Eh, maybe not. (gasps) Yeah. Maybe don't do that real quick. Well, in 2005, they moved to Selmer, Tennessee, and they were also having their kids in this whole time, in these couple of years, in this whole time, they had three kids, mm-hmm. which was um, Patricia, Mary Alice, and Brianna. So three girls. Oh, Mary Alice. That is such a cute Isn't name. Isn't that cute? It's such a cute name. It's very <sighs> um, timeless. God. People are going to be like, no, it's an old name, but like, I think it's a timeless one. No, no, no. It's cute. Timeless, for sure. And in 2005, January of 2005, Matthew accepted a position as the preacher at 4th Street Church of Christ in Selmer, Tennessee. Okay. Let's skip forward. Skip forward in time a little bit. Okay. So on March 22nd, 2006, Matthew Winkler, a popular 31-year-old minister. Oh, he's only 31. In Selmer, Tennessee, was found dead next to his bed, shot in the back. Shit. And his his wife, Mary Winkler, a soft-spoken mother of three, is on the run. That just took like the craziest left turn that I've ever felt in my life. Yeah. Talk about whiplash for sure. Yeah. Like what the fuck happened? So she is on the run and overnight the story blows up. It's the main headline everywhere. Yeah. Okay. 2006. So like how old are all their kids at this point? Like age ranges. To be honest, there's not a lot of information on the kids at all. Okay. So I don't have their birthdays. I don't have anything. When did, when did they get married? They got married somewhere in like 1993. Shit. So like their oldest max would have been 13. And that's if they popped a kid out like the first year. They would have just been or just about to turn 13. So all of their kids were at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. So 13 and under. Jesus Christ. So we'll skip forward even more to the interview because 
most of this information comes from the interview with Oprah because she's just not, she didn't do many interviews at all. And if she did any of besides this, I didn't find it. <laughs> yeah. So weeks after her release from prison, Mary meets with Oprah in Mississippi. And she said that she decided she wanted to talk because she said, I can't up to my life at this point. I can't have done all this in vain. And I cannot sit back if there's anything I can do to help somebody else. That's my goal at this time. Shit. I know. At this point, you're confused. I am. You're like, I am. I have questions. Who's half, what, who and what? This is getting presented in a weird way. But like, I'm going to give you all the pieces to the puzzle. So. I feel like I have the border. And now we just need to put in the, all the other little pieces in the center. That's it. Okay, here we go. So two or three months into their marriage, Mary said that she started to see a different side to Matthew. Oh, shit. Which, isn't that how it goes? <laughs> yeah, yeah, usually. She said, I just remember at some point just being shocked at the yelling and this different person and the things that he would say just off the wall. And I did not understand where he was coming from. I didn't understand his train of thought. One day he may encourage me to be with family. Then another day he may say, we're never talking to them again. It was just sad. I mean, I don't think he knew exactly all that he was thinking all the time. It's just there was no consistency. Wow. It makes me think of the, the, the it was like, a, not a quote, but like a, somebody tweeted something, X'd something. Sorry, I'm calling it a tweet. Somebody tweeted <laughs> something. And then somebody did like a reply tweet. And so the first tweet was something about like, why can't women be better at choosing men? And then a woman retweeted it and was like, why is why aren't we talking about, why are women the problem when it is men who are the one who have the ability to disguise their true selves until they're married and then like unleash this completely different person and basically like scam their spouse. They said it, they worded it way better than that. I am butchering the shit out of it, but you get what I'm saying. But it just no, reminds I'm me following. of that. Like two or three months into their marriage and like, what the fuck's going on? Who is this? Exactly. And to be honest, they had only dated for three months. So like she knew him, but she didn't know him well enough. Yeah. I don't blame her still for for this, you know. Mm-hmm. It's an easy trope to fall into. Oh, yeah. Especially when religion is involved, for sure. So Mary said that she started to see a lot of rage within Matthew. She said, I remember my daddy had a desk and then I took it with me when I got married and we had storage problems. Well, anyway, it wouldn't fit right. And I mean, he just busted it up with his hands. And now I look back on that and that is so sad. But at the time, I remember being so embarrassed and all I cared about was that nobody was looking outside of their apartment. That's all I thought of was I didn't want anybody to see his behavior. Oh my gosh. When I tell you, that brought me right back to like making excuses for my ex-husband, you know, being, feeling like it was on me to like justify things and make things better and getting embarrassed over things that were out of my control. Yeah. Because a grown-ass man couldn't handle his emotions, you know? Exactly. So... She said pretty much anything would set him off. He just like had Mm -hmm. this weird anchor to him. He also started becoming like critical of her. You could call it (laughs) verbal abuse. Yeah. I would would qualify it as verbal abuse. Uh, She says, weight, hair, long or short, family, friends, keeping up the house, something about the girls, just everything. Oh, a thousand percent verbal verbal abuse. (sighs) Yeah. It's just, I am starting to catch on. And it's not, especially during that time, God, in the fucking 90s, it was so bad. Mm -hmm. Like talking about a woman's weight, it was just like fucking free for all. And I saw a clip today, somebody did um, like a reel and they were like, if you grew up in the 90s and you have problems with body, like self-image, no wonder. And then it showed all these clips of like interviews and things. I know what Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, like they talked about one, about this guy interviewing Britney Spears and he's like, everybody's yes. talking about it. And she's like, what? And he was like, your boobs, your breast. And then like there was other ones where people are being interviewed about their weight and like asked to st- stand on a scale. And I was like, what the fuck? Like it was so normalized to be able to talk about and criticize a woman's weight to her 
goddamn face and talk about their body. And they would make a joke out of it too, like on sitcoms, like on Reba. They would make fun of Barbara Jean and say that she was fat all the time. Mm -hmm. She was not, she was just a normal looking person. person. Exactly. There was nothing about her that was like, I don't know, morbidly obese or something. Right. And even if that was the case, they would just make a joke about it. And it's like, that's not... I don't care if Why? you're fat. I don't care if you're skinny. I don't care if you're tall. I don't care if you're short. I don't care if you do or don't have cellulite. You don't talk about another person's body, period. Mm-hmm. It's the least interesting part of that person. Mm-hmm. You know? I digress. We could get into yeah. a whole thing about that. I, what I was going to say was that, like, it, growing up during that time, like, it, within religion, like, I a 1,000% for sure believe, believe her. So, with him being a preacher, Mary said... It was a, the number one importance was to maintain the image of a perfect marriage. Mm -hmm. So she said, I will always hold to the fact of who he really was, his real self. He just was charismatic. It was just that contrast at home in a relaxed setting where he could lose control. Mm. So to everybody else, he's like mild-mannered, polite, charming, Mm -hmm. great dude all about God, and then at home, she has a different person living with her, pretty mm-hmm. much. Total different story. Yeah. I feel like this is the tale as old as time. Like, I don't know how many times Isn't I've it? heard this. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's it's sad that it's like, you already know what's coming. You already know, like, how the story panned out. You already know mm-hmm. how it got to this point. And it still happens every single day. Like, it mm-hmm. doesn't always escalate to death. Yeah. But we still haven't, like, evolved no enough and i might get shit for saying this but because but in my opinion it's because a lot of men not all but a lot more men than women do not know how to regulate their emotions 1000% so maybe work on that set it in stone that's that's fact you know just saying that's it well mary said that she tried to hide her pain in private uh, she even lied to her own dad about being abused Oh, my gosh. She said, at the time, you think you hide these things. I just, I didn't want anybody to know. It was so bad. And he wanted a divorce, too. We had talked about it. And that's one of the few times I ever spoke up and really said what I thought. He said, do you want a divorce? And I said, yes. And I think it just surprised him because, of course, that wasn't something that could be followed through. Yeah. So, like, in Ugh. in some Christian circles, divorce is actually like it's okay you know Mm -hmm. under the right circumstances they have to qualify it as it's either someone has committed uh, adultery or if someone's being physically hurt Mm -hmm. that's the the prerequisite for the church that I grew up in was it wasn't abuse didn't count at all in any manner but if they cheated it was done that was the thing that broke it (laughs) I can punch you in the face and kick you down a flight of stairs, but you can't leave me. But I can stick my dick in another woman. And that's it. Golden ticket, bitch. Now you can get out. What the... the really, that's that was the ugh. prerequisite for a woman to divorce the man. The man, mm. if he put her away, nobody really questioned him or asked, no. like, what was your, like, reasoning? Nobody would ask that. Yeah. But if it was the woman that filed, the woman that left... She always had to justify it. So uh, in court, Mary testified that she was, oh, I forgot about this part. Trigger warning, sexual abuse. <gasps> oh, no. There's nothing like graphic that's about to be said at okay. all. Okay. I just forgot that this had come up. Nothing super graphic, <laughs> whatever. She testified that she was sexually abused in the marriage. She said that Matthew would make her perform sexual acts that she didn't want to do, <gasps> like dressing up in platform shoes and wigs. Oh my gosh. And like watching porn, that kind of thing, that she was just very <sighs> uncomfortable with. You know, she wasn't that, uh, she wasn't consenting to these things. No. That absolutely breaks my heart. And mm. I don't know if we've ever talked about it on the podcast, but purity culture, it, oh man, it fucks you up. And for women, 
a lot of the times you're like told, okay, you can't do this, you can't do this, can't do this, can't do this. Like this is wrong. This is evil. This is Mm -hmm. only acceptable in marriage, right? And so there's this like very black and white, do not cross this line. But then you get married and you're allowed to cross this line. And the moment you cross it, you're expected to be this like magical sex kitten, but everything in you that you have been trained and indoctrinated with for the past fucking however many years has conditioned your body to respond in a way that does not allow sexual gratification or Mm -hmm. pleasure. It's literally telling you, run the other way. Yeah. Your fight or flight instincts are kicking in and like everything feels wrong. And so now it's not just normal sex. He's making her perform. He's making these fantasies that he's seeing within the porn that he's watched for, you know, prior to getting married. I'm going to just come out and say it. He did. There's no way around it, allegedly, in my opinion. And now he's like trying to make that her do that shit. Yeah. And that's not real sex. No. I was going to say, all the like manufactured like porn, especially in the 90s and 2000s, was like super unrealistic sexual encounters. Super unrealistic. So I can just imagine the types of things that he was trying to make her do. And she did say no. She said, I I would say no. And like he would (sighs) ask like in the heat of the moment, he'd be like, did you like doing this? Or like, do you like this kind of thing. And she would say, no, I'm not into this, but it wouldn't matter. He'd still make her do it. Yeah. Oh my God. And then you have to understand her in that moment. Like, why didn't she just keep saying no? Well, she is in the, correct me if I'm wrong, but in the church of Christ, it's very much the woman is submissive to the man in the marriage. You're submissive. And I think that she really did love him. Like she wanted to please him. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just kind of natural when you're in love with somebody and you yeah. marry them, you you would want to be everything that they ask you to be. Yeah. But yeah, for sure. It's total submission. He's the head of the household. What he says goes. Yeah. That's that. Ugh. Yeah. She she says that she regrets not standing up for herself more. It's just like one of the things that she feels like she failed at. Mm. And she said she said that she thinks she failed Matthew. In that way, too, by not standing up for herself, not kind of pushing back. That just became something ingrained in him at a very young age, and he just had to have bigger and better and more, and I wish I could have stopped, and he could have gotten some help on how to deal with that and how to be satisfied more naturally. So, like, I think she's saying, like, she wished she could have pushed back and made boundaries, like, and made them stick so that he knew his kind of confines, you know? It seems like he just hadn't mm-hmm. been given any rules when it came to, like, a relationship with a woman yeah. within a marriage. hmm Well, and you're not... I say that I, we, I come coming back to the porn thing because it's like mm-hmm. you're not taught within Christian circles most of the time. You're not taught about sex. You're not taught yeah. about... You're just like, you're not allowed to do this. The penis goes in the vagina and a baby is made. Like that is the extent of sex education when it comes to Christian circles for the most part. And so when you, you know, your mind as you're developing sexually, it's curious. So where are you going to go when you can't talk to anybody else? You're going to go to porn. And what's porn going to give you? Unrealistic sexual encounters. Okay? Yeah. I watched porn like one or two times growing up as like a kid and I don't remember much of it, but did not watch it when I was married. Mm -hmm. And then after I deconstructed, I was like, I'm going to know what all of the fuss is about. So I watched a couple videos on Pornhub and was highly not into it because it was very much like... (laughs) It's not very niche forward. No, no. It's very much like throw the woman around. It's PNV. That's it. Yeah, yeah. And it was just very weird. And there was like so many videos of like stepdaughters. And I was like, why are... Yeah. So, but you told me about a website. What was it? It was a ethical porn website. cannot remember the name of it at the moment. Started the B. I don't remember either. Starts with a B. God, it's in our text messages. (laughs) I know. I, I looked that one up and I was like, oh my gosh, like it... It was, you could still tell it was like still porn, but it was very much a more I think it was woman-made. It is, it is woman-made, woman-directed. It's like made safely consenting actors that are like Mm -hmm. playing the part and there's no one there that's like 
against their will or doing something due to pressure. Yes, yes. And this, the, not the story, but like the whole thing wasn't male focus. Like it was very mm-hmm. much like them together and it was still very... You have to have fluff with the smut. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. need to. You yeah. need to know that they're a person with a personality and with like... Absolutely. Emotional needs as well as sexual desires. Yeah. And I was telling, I think it was you I was telling this to you. It was like, I honestly, like I just get turned on more for like a sex scene in a movie than I do... Yes. Anything the, and the storyline matters. It does. It does to me. Very much so. And I think for boys, I'm going to call them boys, that grow up yeah. not being able to explore sexuality in a safe way and turn to unrealistic, weird fantasy porn. Weird, not in a bad way, but just like weird and like not realistic or everybody's kink kind of yeah. way. And then you try to implement that into a marriage with a woman who is suffering from her own, mm-hmm. you know, stunted sexual development. And it's just... In a, like inexperience. Mm-hmm. You know, no exploration was probably done. No. And I'm sure, it. you know, if she was, you know, masturbating, she was not using toys or doing anything besides manual, you know, and it's... Stimulation, right. And even if then, that, she may have not... Exactly. She may have like once or twice and felt really bad about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, which she shouldn't have to. Exactly. I, I digress. Yeah. The night before. Let's talk about the night before. Night before. After the kids Oof. were tucked in. An argument broke out between the couple about finances. Ain't that just the way? I know, right? Well, this was a little bit different, though, because Mary had fallen prey to a scam, a financial scam. Oh, no. (sighs) Yeah. So, pretty much the scammers, you know, gained her trust by wiring, like, a small deposit into their bank account. And she got into this, like, money laundering operation kind of shit <sighs> she Poor was thing. deeply involved like deeply really so, through wire transfers she had deposited two fraudulent checks uh one from canada and one from nigeria that was totaling seventeen thousand five hundred dollars in family oh, accounts my god she was deep she was very deep then shifted this. some of the funds to a second bank in the shell game known as check kiting I don't know anything about this. Uh, she withdrew like 500 cash and then bank officials caught on to that. Oh so my gosh. She was like having to deal with like, she was playing phone tag with two Tennessee banks and a Regions bank and it, it was a whole thing. So, wow. But it was, it, this kind of scam is known as a 419 scheme. Okay. I don't know anything about these things. So okay. it doesn't really make sense to me. I just know it was a money scam. So yeah, she was never completely forthcoming about her involvement. She said, I'd gotten a call from the bank and we were having troubles. Mostly my fault. Bad bookkeeping. And she said that Matthew was upset with her about this. Attorney Fariz claimed that Matthew Winkler was involved as well. And as a family, they were being conned is what... Yeah. This attorney said the information that they had is that he was unaware of the checks, but knew where and when they were being deposited. So Mary says, I, sorry, I don't see, I was just gonna say, I don't see Mary getting into this scheme without his knowledge. I don't either. Knowing the dynamics of the relationship and her nature to be submissive. I think she was naive. Oh, of that. Yeah. I think she was naive and like he, Maybe made it sound good, like on surface level, like MLM kind of thing, you know? Right. And like, this isn't technically illegal, maybe is what he kind of like led with. Who knows? Right. It's a loophole. (laughs) For sure. So (gasps) she says, Matthew started ranting about the problems he was having. So like, they had been talking about finances and then it just divulged into other things, as most fights do, you know? Yeah. Like, when you don't have good communication. Matthew started ranting about the problems he was having and personal feelings about the church administration. I didn't know what set him off. I was just listening to him. He finally calmed down. We started a movie and I fell asleep. We woke up a little bit later and went to bed. And I remember not sleeping well after that. So I think she fell asleep on the couch is what she's saying. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Watching the movie. 
She said, I was upset at him because he had really been on me lately, criticizing me for things, the way I walk, the way I eat, everything. It was just building up and I was just tired of it. And I guess I just got to the point and I snapped. So like he was asleep? The drone of an alarm clock woke up Mary Winkler, 6.15 a.m. on March 22nd, 2006. As Matthew lay sleeping, she slipped out of bed, padded quietly over to the bedroom closet withdrew a loaded 12-gauge shotgun from its case, walked a few paces back towards the bed and leveled the barrel on her husband's back. Fuck. The next thing I remember was hearing a loud boom, Mary Winkler would later say. I remember thinking it wasn't as loud as I thought it would be. I heard the boom and he rolled out of the bed onto the floor. Matthew Winkler took 77 pellets of birdshot that ravaged his body, broke his spine and punctured several organs, but he was not dead yet. (gasps) <gasps> he was laying on the floor, blood bubbling out of his mouth, and said one final word, why? She said, I told him I was sorry and that I loved him. She dabbed the blood from his mouth with the sheet, and that was it. What the fuck? Yeah, it's bad. That, I, uh, <sighs> I have, I thought I would feel one way going through this story. I know. And I don't. Me too. Me too. I You want to think that like he grabbed her. You want to think that it got to a point where it was like, okay. And she like pushed him and he hit his head and she was like, oh, it's over. But it wasn't like that. He was asleep with his back turned to her. He said, why? He said, why? The, The blast obviously like from the shotgun, it woke up her daughter's. And the oldest one, Patricia, she actually had to testify in court, unfortunately. Oh my God, this poor child. She said that she crept up to her parents' bedroom when she heard the big boom. And she said my daddy was face down on the floor and she heard him groaning and asked her mom what happened. And Mary said, I told her that daddy was hurt and that we were leaving. She got about 400 miles away by the following evening. Oh, my God. And she was arrested on the Alabama coast. Oh, my God. And I know exactly where she was arrested. (laughs) Oh, I have more questions. I'm going to let you keep going before I ask questions. I feel like you're going to answer them, but... I I might. Let's see. Okay. She said, the only reason I headed towards Orange Beach is that I wanted to take them to the beach and play with them as long as I could. Uh, I planned on coming back when we were through. I knew I'd be caught. I didn't tell the girls the truth that I shot their daddy. I said he was in the hospital. Just anything to make up that he wasn't with us. She said she paid for the hotel rooms and gas and food with that cash, that $500 that she withdrew, and didn't use credit cards and didn't mm-hmm. phone anybody. So Matthew was found by church members about 15 hours after being shot because he sh- he didn't show up so like... It was a Wednesday and they had prayer meetings every Wednesday night Mm. and no one's answering the phone at the house. So they went to go check on him. When she was arrested, she was stoic (sighs) and she did not fight back. (sighs) We're almost to the end of the story. Okay. In court, Mary Winkler was questioned about a statement that she gave to the police. She said, you know, that they had been fighting about money. Prosecutors say that Mary was the bookkeeper and made 16 bank transfers by telephone in the days leading up to her husband's death. She was trying to hide from her husband how how bad it had gotten. So like, he was aware of the scam. Yeah, okay. It had gotten a lot worse than what she had maybe led him to believe. So she was a stay-at-home mom. She handled all the finances anyway. So they had lost a lot of money, pretty much. Yeah, I believe it. And I mean, they had always kind of been in financial distress, but this was the worst it ever gotten. So that was her whole, like, they were like, why did you do it? And she's like, we were just in financial trouble and like we fought and it just got out of hand. What the fuck? That, that's what she told them. So in August of 2006, this is five months behind after she had been, you know, behind bars, um, she posted the $750,000 bail with help from her father who mortgaged his property. Oh my God. She moved back to McMinnville, Tennessee um, to live with an old church friend. I'm sorry. (sighs) Who is letting her in their house after this? I'm sorry. I know. 
I would not. So her defense team started doing the whole like this, we're going to use the abused spouse narrative in court. And it, yeah, that's what they went for. Also, I just want to note this. It's just a little odd for the magazine that she was featured in. Glamour magazine. What? November 2006 allowed her to pose with photos. One where she had a crucifix necklace and like her father and siblings like testified about the type of person that she is. Things like that. We also did get a little bit of information from her dad because she had said, I lied about abuse to him. Mm -hmm. Um, He said multiple times he saw bruises on Mary and she made very vague excuses. And he always was like, I know it's him. I know it's him doing this to her. Yeah. So the court found Mary to be a battered wife that snapped. She said he had just worn her down completely and she was convicted of voluntary manslaughter in the death of her husband. She was sentenced to 210 days and she had spent about 60 days in a mental health facility. So... That's it? Yeah. Under Tennessee law, voluntary manslaughter is a crime of passion produced by adequate provocation sufficient to lead a reasonable person to act in an irrational manner. Okay. She said that she acknowledged that there was both good and bad times in the marriage. She says, I wish I could have had that good Matthew and that we could live together forever. I hope the situation sheds light on unhealthy relationships and that others will find the strength and have the courage to seek help before tragedy occurs. Matthew's family does not find her to be remorseful. They don't talk to her. Yeah, like I understandable, you know, very valid. In the, I will say in the Oprah episode that I watch, she acknowledges she went about this the wrong way. Okay, that's good. <laughs> you know, like, I, I know some of this, the quotes I'm using may just be like, I I hope this can bring light. No, like, she really was like, I shouldn't have done that. I think she just felt cornered, trapped. Yeah. You know, like, with the money stuff, and, like, he's already pissed off at her and everything, and she's just like, I don't know. Not to justify her killing somebody, that wasn't right, but nobody won in this situation. Mary currently lives with all three of her kids in McMinnville, Tennessee. The last that I checked, and that was early 2000s. Like, yeah. Yeah. She was living in a home that was owned by a Church of Christ that she attended at the time, um, but she stays out of the public eye. I couldn't find anything on her now, nothing on her daughters, nothing. Okay. Here's my opinion. I know. (laughs) I believe that she was a battered wife. 1,000%. I I believe that. To the extent of what that all includes, I don't know. We all won't know unless she tells us. But I think there was emotional, verbal, um, and sexual abuse. And apparently from what her dad said, some kind of physical abuse. Mm -hmm. Valid. But the timing of his murder, to me, is very suspicious to use that as a defense when so much more was going on when it comes to money and finances and then her being so in-depth with this scheme that I can see that her being a battered wife and then also getting into the scheme and it losing so much money that she feels trapped and is like, I have no other way out and like, I'm just going to shoot him. When like, I don't know, that doesn't make sense to me either when the sense of like, (laughs) you're just going to go to jail. I'll say this. I have been married to a person that is very much like Matthew Winkler was. Mm -hmm. See, my problem with her story is that they they went to bed Mm -hmm. and the next morning she got up and made that decision. Yeah. It was not an active fight. No. It was not. It was not an in the moment. That's my... Like, I I just kind of have weird thoughts about that. But I know what it's like to be backed in the corner mm-hmm. financially, sexually, physically, emotionally, spiritually, mm-hmm. all of it. I had it all. Like, I totally get where she's coming from on that. And you are not thinking correctly. Yeah. And I have made some bad decisions from that time in my life, like a lot of really poor decisions. Nothing like what she did. Yeah. (laughs) But thank God we wouldn't be here today. (laughs) Looking back on it, I'm like, 
you knew that that was wrong. You knew that that wasn't maybe the best way to do that or that wasn't maybe the most measured choice. Mm -hmm. And you knew better and you knew you could have chosen better, but it felt like you couldn't. Yeah. It felt like thinking five steps ahead, it wouldn't have worked out for you. Right. Yeah, that's all. She got under a year for murdering somebody. Like, I can understand. That is weird for Tennessee. (laughs) Right? I can understand. Yeah, okay, yeah. I can understand your defense of a battered woman. And I can agree that, yes, she was a battered woman, but she had been a battered woman for a really long time. The money thing was also another big part of it. Mm -hmm. I can understand her being back into a corner. But in reality... She still murdered somebody. She still she did. actively chose to take somebody's life. And and she... And she did it with a 12-gauge. She thought about it. And she thought about it. I'm sorry. She said she didn't sleep well that night. You don't just like wake up and walk over and just like, oh, I've this gun fell into my hand. Like, you, <laughs> you, act, you actively made that choice. You yeah, actively yeah. made that choice. And with a 12-gauge shotgun. Um, guys, if you do not understand the damage... Go Google the barrel of a 12-gauge shotgun. Go go Google the damage of like a, a tree. Uh, like a 12-gauge, I guess if he took on 70... It blows a person wide open at point-blank range like that. Yeah, and if you're using the birdshot, like that's so many tiny little pellets and they just like, they, they spread out. And so like... Yeah. That that's why it said like it his back, his insides, seventy seven pellets. Yeah, all just like it, it just his entire it's like we said in last week's episode, Shasta Groni, that's how mm-hmm. he scared them into staying was he shot his shotgun into a tree and like she's like it mutilated this section of the tree. Yeah. And so I think she should have served more time. Yeah, I think that would have been justified for sure. Like I am happy that she's like completely like she's not benefiting from this. Yeah. In any way, like like with fame, you know? Yeah. I'm really that's what makes me feel like not that I relate to her. I don't know. You relate to her situation that she was in. I relate to the situation, yeah. not her actions, you know. Right. But like post all of this. She's she's got to be like in a, a different headspace now mm-hmm. where she's thinking more clearly and she's, I don't know. Yeah. I feel bad for her kids. Yeah. I wonder what they thought. I tried so hard to, to look into if maybe any of them talked about it later in life. I was not able to find anything just besides like Patricia's testimony yeah. in court. But uh, that's brutal. That's a lot. You lose your daddy. And then your mama shot him. Your yeah, it's your mom. I mean, the kids were taken away from her, obviously, for a little bit, but then she got them back. And I just wonder, like, what was their initial reaction? Were they mad at mom? And I'm, I'm sorry, I I am shocked she got her kids back. I'm, I I am, and I'm not. I just like she was convicted. Like she was found guilty of yeah. murdering yeah. somebody, her own husband, her children's father, and they just got her. She just got her kids back a few years later. Yeah. I I don't know how it would feel going back to my mother. I wonder if like, I know that his family doesn't have anything to do with her anymore. And maybe that's changed because like, this was, you know. That article I read was from like 2012-ish. So like. Okay, yeah. So 11 years ago. It could be different now. They could have maybe made amends. But like, let's say they haven't at this point in time. I wonder do they have anything to do with their grandkids? Mm-hmm. And what do the grandkids say? Like, were they abused? Were they, like, did did they have a, term, you know, tumultuous relationship with their father? Because surely he wouldn't have, if you act that way towards your wife, when you're at home, relaxed, like how she was saying, you know, he could let uh, all control kind of go out the window. Surely they had to see or hear something if it wasn't directly like happening to them. Right. So I was interested in their perspective. Obviously, I wouldn't want to like pry no. into their stuff. So I didn't, I didn't go like grave digging kind of thing, but I, I, I did dig a little bit. But they were young. Like they were so young. Yeah. No older than 13 or like just about to turn 13. And that's like the max age they could have been. It was more likely that they were probably 
10 or 11, the oldest. So you think of kids even younger than that, like... Mm -hmm. Just a confusing situation for them. Do they even remember? Do, you know, what do they remember now? I just, shit. I bet they remember the day their mom was arrested in front of them at the beach. Fucking seriously. Who couldn't? Like, if they don't remember the loud boom, I know Patricia, Patricia does, remembers but if that the, shit, yeah. If the others don't remember that night, they remember the next day seeing their mom get hauled off. I, I, I have no words. It's just, I really, like, nobody wins. No. Nobody. Absolutely. I, I, I'm shocked she only spent under a year in jail. And you know what? I feel like if he had chosen a different career path and if maybe his uh, family hasn't, hadn't been so like rooted in that Church of Christ evangelical pastor kind of thing, mm-hmm. maybe he would have looked at women differently, you know, than he did in porn and mm-hmm. maybe seeing his mom be really submissive to his dad uh, in their marriage and stuff. Like maybe if he had had a different perspective, he wouldn't have been this way. Yeah. With Mary. Yeah. Because it stunts, when you are raised in such a strong fundamentalist type restrictive religion, it literally stunts your development in so many different areas. If you don't go to public school or, you know, a well-accredited school of some sort, whether that's private or a charter or a homeschool, actual legit curriculum, Mm -hmm. then your education is stunted, your educational development, your sexual development is surely stunted because purity culture, your social skills. I feel bad that they both didn't have like good sexual experiences. I know. Because if he hadn't been like, if porn, that type of porn, you know, hadn't been so normalized. Mm -hmm. And if he like, I don't know, didn't think his body was a crime and that a woman's body was a crime outside of marriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like things could have gone better. Maybe she would have been able to explore some sexual mm-hmm. stuff because she wouldn't be thinking that it was sinful or dirty. She would be able to, you know, enjoy it. And maybe she'd have been a little bit more explorative. Maybe not, you know? Feel safe and set her boundaries and say, no, don't touch me. And like... yeah shove the person I don't know yeah. punch the person <laughs> no don't do that <laughs> yeah I. it's just sad it's really sad I hope that they're good and healthy and safe now like yeah all four of them that's that, that's that's a wild one I it sucks I feel weird sorry Matthew yeah you didn't deserve to die whether or not you were a dick exactly you didn't deserve it we said that in our very first episode with um, what was it, Bernie Tita and and Marjorie Marjorie Higgins. She is a bitch. Doesn't, doesn't <sighs> but she doesn't mean deserve she deserves to die. to die. Yeah, <laughs> nobody deserves to die. And I just I'm I still can't get over that she spent just about two hundred two hundred days in prison or in jail, whatever. I, I know it's well, really less than that because sixty of it, half was, of it, or not half of it. Yeah, sixty days was in a mental health facility. You said you had a surprise for me. I do. Okay, so my palate cleanser. We're going <laughs> to jump into the palate cleanser, guys. Okay, are you ready for this? Are you ready for this, Lola? Okay, okay. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'm heavy breathing. Okay, Lacey's holding up a shirt. that. Okay, we are both obsessed with Eddie Munson. Like, uh, we want to... Oh, God. <laughs> We're drooling a little bit. We fucking love Stranger Things, but mostly Eddie Munson. He's our rock god. He's our... Everything. I will have any of the isms with them. Threesome, foursome, sevensome, you know, just as long as Eddie is there, I am down. (laughs) She's there too. (laughs) But she, so I have a sweatshirt um, that has Eddie's, uh, you know, we can link it. Can't we? That Etsy shop? Yeah, we'll link it and we'll link it. It's an Etsy. Yeah. Yeah. There's this Etsy shop that I got a sweatshirt from with Eddie and it's like the graphic on it is his name and then it's like him in his Hellfire shirt doing his little devil horns and his tongue out. Yep. Oh, it's so iconic. So. I fucking love it. I'm so happy you got yours in the mail. Ah! 
I didn't get a sweatshirt. I got a t-shirt. So mine's just yes. a tee because I was like, I want to wear this all year round. I literally went to bed. So if you remember in the Shasta, <laughs> we'll make sure Eric keeps it in the actual episode. But um, if you listen to that episode, I'm literally in the middle of talking. And then I was like, oh my God, I love your yeah. shirt. I need that. <laughs> and yes. so she sent me the link and then I was going to bed that night and I pulled out my phone as I was laying in bed uh, looking at the link and I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to purchase it. She said order. Because <laughs> it was on sale. So I got me a, I got me a t-shirt. I got it black. But they had like a lot of the Stranger Things characters. But I, I will say. Yes, they have almost all the main characters. I don't think they have Argyle, but they have like Max, Lucas, L, Mike, Popper, Joyce. <sighs> they don't have Hopper. They used to have Hopper. They don't have Hopper. And I, oh. I am very upset because I I love me a Hopper. Love love me Hopper. <sighs> Good Lord. It's cuffing season. I all the girls be needing need a big boy. I, need a big boy. <laughs> there is just something about Hopper. He's probably old enough to be my goddamn dad, but like just just I just love Hopper. Bark like a dog. Do it, girl. Bark yeah. like a dog. <laughs> Okay, can I? I'm gonna have two palate cleansers this week. We're good on okay. time, so like I'm gonna give you guys two palate cleansers. So last week, Lola and I were talking <laughs> in our text messages, and um, I have oh, to gosh. scroll back and find them because I was like, "Can I use this as our palate cleanser?" She's like, "Absolutely," but then we just never. So I'm reading the books, the Akatar books. Yeah, um, a court of yeah. thorns and roses. Oh God, is the first. I'm fine. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you do that in my mind. Panting slut. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. If you have not watched, uh, listened to these books or read these books, you need to listen to them. I The first one is a little, some people don't think it's very good. I thought it was great. It really like builds up the entire storyline. Super great. Mm-hmm. Okay. I love it. So we were texting. I have to go back. What did she say? <laughs> Oh, so I told her I had gotten to a certain part in the second book and she's like dying over here to for me to get through the second book. And so I texted her and told her, okay, I am, this one character is, I'm not going to give names, okay? No, don't. No spoilers. Like, this one character, he's growing on me. I actually like really, I just texted her. I said, fuck, I really like insert character's name. And she was like, <laughs> oh, he's hot. I die. And I said, oh yeah. And she goes, death by insert character's name. And um, she, uh, what is a little scroll down? Uh, oh, she said death by insert character name. And I said, a welcome death at bat. <laughs> yes. Um, and she replies with, if he told me to bark like a dog, I would. Woof, woof, is so fast. <laughs> Listen, I just think he's so sweet. And the way he's described seems like he's just a very perfect man. Anyway. I just remember talking to you about like, I wasn't a fan of his character um, it, None in, of the first, in the first book. And Lola... You should have seen how pissed off I was reading the first book. <laughs> right? <laughs> Lola's face the whole time because she's read the entire series and she's like looking at me just like with this look on her face like, I can't say anything. I just need you to get to the second book because... Things change. That's all I could say to her. Just get to the second book. Just get there. (laughs) It was so funny. So yeah, okay. Those are my two palate cleansers. I took up enough of your time. Okay, I have my palate cleanser. Andrew! Ooh, we get a Andrew-centric palate cleanser today? He will not. Okay, I just need to tell Before he comes in here to all the listeners, he will not stop asking to do the palate cleansers. (laughs) He's so excited that he got to do it that one time that now he's like... He's incessant now. He's like, let me tell him another Bible story. I'm like, this is not messy spirituality. We don't do Bible stories here. <laughs> and he's like, no, no, no. It's like it's like drunk history, but drunk Bible story, you know? Drunk Bible stories. That's funny. You know, honestly, he taught me something last time. So I'm... No, he... I, I I'm mean, excited to hear this one. Okay, are you ready? Mr. Preacher, don't... Right. He's got a shit-eating grin. <laughs> I'm I'm ready for this. Hi, Lacey. Why, hello, Andrew. I'm excited for another crazy, drunken Bible story time. Drunken? Is that how I've been described in the comments? Uh, well, Lola said it's not like drunk history. It's like drunk Bible stories. All right. Well, today we're talking about a little kind of well-known guy named Jesus. G- okay. I think I've heard of him. 
time or two. Okay, okay. Some people have, some people haven't. It's it's hit or miss. It's all about who you know, you know. Mm -hmm. So Jesus goes to the temple. Uh Uh-huh. And at the temple, they would sell, these guys were selling unclean animals for sacrifices. Okay. And so Jesus is looking around at this. He's like, mm-mm, not in my house, not here. This is where I live. Nay, 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 nay. And he drops the hardest line in the Bible and says, my house is supposed to be a house of the Lord. You have turned it into a den of thieves. And then he makes a whip out of braided rope and just starts flipping tables, hitting people, driving them out of the synagogue. There's some hoes in this house. <laughs> Lola's twerking back in the background. You guys can't see that, but I just wanted to give you guys a visual of her twerking behind Andrew. <laughs> she does that quite often. Is that is that your Bible story? Is there more? That's about it. I don't think I remember him making the whip and whipping people. People forget that part all the time. They just talk about throwing the tables. Nah, Jesus. Yeah, it, it's a very important part that he's just like, no, I'm going to hit you he, until you leave my house. He was a very, like, maybe he was into like, you know, BDSM kind of like dominatrix type shit. I love that story because it's the only time in the Bible where you see Jesus like really lose his temper. Yeah. It's like, like, oh, yeah, he was a human. Human He might have been God, but he was in human form. He still got angry. Okay, well, that's one of my stories. This second one isn't... No, Andrew, save it for... I have plenty of stories. It's fine. <laughs> I am here to cleanse palate. Do you have enough? Do we have enough? Is it okay if he does one more <laughs> We do have one. five minutes. What? You better hurry it. Five minutes. Hurry it. Okay, this won't take that long. It's about the time that I probably gave myself a concussion. What? Oh, I was expecting another Bible story. No, no. Okay. This is a different path. Okay. So when I was young, I lived with my nana. Your nana. With my brother and mom after my parents divorced. Uh-huh. And across the street from us was an older kid about my older brother's age, like three or four years older than me. Yeah. And we would play this game called Murder Ball. Ah, uh, interesting. I'm, and my interest is peaked. Listeners, if you have kids, tell them about this thing because it's a lot of fun. <laughs> I, I'm going to go mon- out on a limb and say, I'm, I'm terrified and I probably won't be teaching my children whatever this game is. <laughs> it's monkey in the middle. Okay. But the monkey gets the ball by any means necessary. Oh, shit. So tackle, hitting, dragging to the ground. You're just trying to get the ball. I, my middle child would, would draw blood. It's so much fun. (laughs) But one time we were playing and in my neighbor's yard, they had a concrete sidewalk up to the main entrance of the house. And me and Steven and Jake were playing the neighbor. Uh Uh-huh. And I was trying to get the ball and I grabbed it from Steven, yanked it out of his hands and fell backwards and cracked my head against the sidewalk Oh, and my God. I don't know if I knocked myself out or just... Well, you got a concussion. Knocked the vision He's never been the second. same ever since. He's never <laughs> been the same. <laughs> that was the point in time that your story will start. I'm not going to teach my kids that, that game because my middle child's feral. She really is. Love her to death, but that it's one... It's a lot of fun. She is in the middle. She's the monkey in the middle. Three children would go into that game and only one would come out. Like, I'm telling you. That's the, that's the best <laughs> child. That's the strongest we child. We do not endorse this. <laughs> Let me just be clear. We don't. I endorse this. And Get you can always listen to Uncle Andrew. Uncle and, Andrew. Uh, Uncle Andrew tells cool Bible stories. Andrew. And teaches your kids great games to play. Lola, stop hitting me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that has been the Palette Cleanser Corner for this week. Palette Cleanser Corner, I like that. <laughs> well, thank you for coming on, Andrew. We always enjoy hearing from you. <laughs> good, good. I'm here every week. I don't speak every week, but I'm <laughs> I'm in the same house that we do this podcast in. So he's the same. He's in the same vicinity. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You're apologizing for greatness. Yeah. <laughs> You're apologizing for greatness. That was funny. That's all, folks. That, that, that's that's all. all. That's You heard it from Andrew. His interesting little, you know, murder ball stories. He's I don't know if you heard that because you didn't have the headphones on, but he's like telling me to 
to tell, you know, teach your kids this. I was like, my middle child, she would draw blood and, yeah, and yeah, three yeah. kids would go into that game, but only only one would survive and it would be Tawny. She's, that's for sure. She's she's my little feral. She would laugh. She, she would really laugh. would. She's my feral child. I love her to death, but like, she's scrappy. Give her a kiss for me. She's a scrappy little one, but yeah. Mm. I know this was on the little bit of the shorter side, but we're going to kind of bring you a couple shorter episodes, um, this one and maybe the next couple. We'll see. We're kind of trying to make our editing job for our editor just a little bit easier. Give him a little break. We've had a lot of long episodes. We talk a lot. Like, we do. We won't shut up, but we enjoy it anyways. But yeah, that's that. That's the case. That's it. That's your palate cleansers. You know, we'll see you guys next week. Go drink some water. Don't join, don't join a cult. Unclench your jaw, friend. Don't shoot your fucking husband. God damn it. Don't, don't shoot, shoot anybody. Anyways, see you next week. Love you. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, if you're enjoying the show so far, please like, subscribe, and, you know, do all the things to help us out in this world of podcasting. We'd greatly appreciate it. Deadly Faith Podcast is brought to you by Quarrowcast Network. It is produced by Lacey Bean and Lola Robbins and audio engineered by Eric Howe. Thanks for listening. Also, in the show notes, as usual, um, we have listed a bunch of resources for you. They will be in every show note moving forward. So if you need any resources um, in a domestic violence situation, you are struggling with your mental health, or you have found yourself in a human trafficking situation, there are resources at your fingertips in the resource box or in the show notes below. So please take a look if you need them.